Very good morning, family. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, those worshipping here and also back uh, the main church. Today I've chosen uh, to speak from the book of Joshua, chapters uh, 2 and 6. Chapter 6 is the more familiar passage of the fall of Jericho. You know, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. A more familiar story, so I wouldn't read it out to us, but I would thought we would read uh, chapter 2, uh, the context before the wall of Jericho fell. So won't you listen to the word of God? Let me read it to us. It's on the proclaimed uh, slides. Now then, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. Hidden them, she said. Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the forts of Jordan, and as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies uh, lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear because, uh, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother and my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them, that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the man assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house that she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return, and then go on your way. Now the man had said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from this oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be, as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord to the window, in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, ordered the river, came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, The Lord has surely given us, given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because... 
of us. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this fascinating story in the Bible. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and truly review what lessons we can learn from this scripture text. More importantly, Lord, speak truth, courage and strength into our hearts to today's sermon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Like I said, many of us know the story of Jericho, how the Israelites marched around the city for seven days, once a day, for six days, and on the seventh day, seven times around the city. And so eventually the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. That story, like I said, is found in Joshua chapter 6. It's a more familiar passage. Joshua chapter 2 describes the account of what happened before that miraculous event, as we have just heard. But before we revisit this text, let's address a couple of common questions about the fall of Jericho. Joshua chapter 6. First, did this story even take place in history? Second, what did Jericho possibly look like? How is it possible to have your home in the city wall, as a part of the city wall? Now let me show you a picture of ancient Jericho. Archaeological excavations reveal that Jericho was violently destroyed sometime toward the end of the Bronze Age. And the walls seem to have been thrown down by sudden force. So what the Bible talks about, you know, suddenly the walls came tumbling down. Archaeological findings seem to support that. In fact, excavations have found that food supplies were buried in the destroyed city, which showed that it was not captured by siege. You know, if it was by a siege, it would take time for the food supplies to run out, right? But the fact that the, the city was burned while there was food in the city meant it was destroyed and captured suddenly, as the Bible alerts to. Now, this picture I show you on the screen shows how Rahab's house could be on or part of the city wall if we take the upper and the lower walls to be one gigantic wall then her house is truly within or on the city wall at the same time the bible says that she was able to hide the spies uh, these two spies on the roof of a house and of course this would be possible because all the houses in those days if you go to israel today some of the houses in the rural area continue to have this architectural flat roof so this makes sense, right? The next picture I want to show you reveals how the walls of the city were likely to be breached by an earthquake and how the Israelites were able to charge into the city and conquer it. According to the Bible, we've seen how Rehab's house was incorporated into the city wall. Now if the walls fell, as the Bible says, how is it that Rehab's house was spared? Now, towards uh, the end of, or rather the start of the 20th century, archaeological findings showed us that actually on the north side of the wall uh, of the city of Jericho, there was a short, short stretch of the city wall that did not tumble, that did not crumble. A portion of the mud brick wall was still standing to a height of 8 feet. What is more, interestingly, the excavators found out, uh, this German excavation of 1907 to 1909, that this, uh, there are houses built against the wall. So it is quite possible that this is where Rahab's house was located. And since the city wall formed the back part of the houses, the spies could have easily escaped through the house windows and ran to the hill, which was only a very short distance to the Judean wilderness. If you look at the geography of the area, you will understand what it means. Now imagine this. Imagine your house, the back wall of your house, is the city wall. Any of you will volunteer to stay in such a place? 
if attackers were to come invade the city, whose house will be attacked first? Obviously, people's houses who are at the wall, right? You're the back of your house is the city wall. Obviously, in a place like that, the real estate value, the property price will be very low, correct? Because you'll be scared, you know what, if the invaders come. And so, it is possible that this place is the slum district. And certainly, a place that you might find a prostitute. People of lower income, not able to earn a living for themselves, no choice but to stay on the city wall. Literally, at the city wall. So it's possible that Rahab's house was one of those places that did not fall. During the excavation, they found that this part that was standing and Rahab's house could be there. Now, after the city walls fell, how could the Israelites surmount this 12 to 15 foot high wall? Excavations show, as the picture showed you earlier, that the bricks from the collapsed wall fell in such a way that they formed a ram, allowing the Israelites to climb up this ram into the city. And that is why the book of Joshua, chapter 6, verse 20 says, The people went up into the city, every man straight before him. The Bible is very precise in its description. The people went up into the city, every man straight before him. And so this is what the archaeological findings have proven, that the walls collapsed in a certain way, it formed a ram, and the Israelites had to go up through this breach in the wall, thanks to this ram, the bricks that have fallen down. So family, make no mistake. The church is being challenged by the world. The world will challenge us, will challenge our faith to tell us that the biblical events are simply not historical. But look, here we have pretty reasonable archaeological proof that Jericho did fall exactly as the book of Joshua describes. So let's have faith that the Bible is reliable, that the God of the Bible is trustworthy and reliable, and that means the promises of God are also reliable. So friends, don't allow the world to shake our faith. The Word of God is absolutely reliable and completely trustworthy. And on that note, let us return to the story of Rahab. What can we learn from Rahab? Here is a fascinating account of a woman's faith that not only saves her own life, but also the lives of her entire family, provided they too have a similar faith. But what's so special about her faith? The answer is found in verses 9 to 13 in chapter 2. Let me read that passage again, extract this passage for us. Before the spies uh, laid down for the night, she went up to the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and the great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother and my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them, that you will save us from death. So from Rahab's conversation with the two men, we can pick up three principles of having an unshakable faith. First, Rahab believed in the future promises of God. Rahab believed in the future promises of God. She believed that God has given this land over to the Israelites just as He promised Verse 8, I know that the Lord has given you this land. This is what Rahab says. 
Now remember, in context, if you know the Bible story, Jericho is the first city that the Israelites have to conquer. In other words, there have not been a prior victory west of the Jordan at all. So where did Rahab get his faith? That the Lord has given you this land. She truly believed in the future promises of God. Even though it has yet to come to pass, she believed that God would be faithful to honour that future promise, that he will give the land indeed to the Israelites. Secondly, Rahab recalled the past deeds of God. She recalled the past deeds of God. She recalled how God dried up the Red Sea and also defeated the kings of Sihon and Og. Again, if you look at the biblical context, when did the account of the Red Sea happen? From this point in time in Joshua's book, chapter 2, the Red Sea happened 40 years ago. The Exodus event happened 40 years ago. Was she alive at the time? We do not know. Was she a young prostitute or old prostitute? We do not know. But the very fact is that it happened 40 years ago. And yet Rahab never forgotten about this event. That God did something miraculous in the past. Her faith then was not a blind faith. It's not a blind faith. Her faith is solemnly anchored on what God has done in the past. And for us as Christians, really, we are so blessed. We have the whole Bible as a record of what God has done in the past. And therefore, we can place our full confidence in God's Word. The third principle is this. Rahab acknowledged the everlasting truth about God. Acknowledge the everlasting truth about God. What did Rahab say? She said that your God is the God in heaven above and on earth below. Not only did she hold on to the future promises of God, not only did she recall the past deeds of God, she believed the everlasting truth, the unchanging truth about who God is. God in heaven above and on earth below. So faith in God then has these three components. Past, present, and future. Faith always has these three components. If God has been faithful to us in the past, we can be confident in the present that God will be faithful in the future. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now let's take a step back. Allow that word to sink in. The God who is faithful in the past. Let's hold on to that word in our present circumstance, believing that God will be faithful in the future. Now let's uh, shift gears a little bit here. Examine a commonly asked ethical question about Rahab. Rahab hid the spies that Joshua sent and even lied about it. Many Sunday school, you know, the children come up to ask this question. Maybe you have been asked this by your children. Is Rahab right to lie? Is she right to lie? She lied that the spies have left when in reality she had hidden them on the roof. Is it okay to tell a white lie land? then? Have your children ever asked you this question? <laughs> or maybe you have asked this question yourselves. Is it okay to lie? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, the German theologian uh, who fought against Adolf Hitler, he said, once said this, he had no qualms about harboring Jews in his home. 
And should the Nazis ever come knocking on his door asking if he had Jews in his house, Bonhoeffer believed that evil has no right to the truth. And so he would not tell them that there are Jews in his home. Of course, I think one must be very careful in exercising a judgment like this because deception is a very slippery slope. But the point is, uh, I want to make here is we should not use Rahab's story to justify ourselves whenever we lie. Listen carefully, okay? We should not use it as a, the way to justify ourselves whenever we lie. Neither should we quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer out of his context. Okay, he was speaking about World War II. The key principle here, I think, if you look at all these stories, is that the preservation of life is to be valued above all else. The principle is about preservation of life. Bonhoeffer believed that it's okay to lie about harboring Jews in his house because the preservation of life is a higher law. The laws of love, life and mercy must trump over other laws, just as Jesus himself taught. Love God and love your neighbour as yourself. All the rest hang on these two major laws. So listen carefully here again. Huh? I'm not saying that it's okay to lie in every circumstance. Got it? But where life is threatened, seriously threatened, it's okay to lie. If one day Singapore had to fight a war and God forbid such a day would happen, if enemies raided your house and you have hidden your children in the closet, for example, would you not lie to preserve their lives? I'm sure many of us will have no qualms doing that because you want to preserve the life of your children. And you should not feel guilty about lying in that circumstance. So present of preservation of life is a principle. And so most, I think, uh, hopefully, in Singapore's case, we don't have to come to this situation. So in most of our daily Singaporean lives, lying is not okay. <laughs> Unlikely to happen, very unlikely you'll be put in a situation where you are threatened, physically threatened. Yes, you may be threatened with, oh, you know, I'm being exposed, but that's not counted. <laughs> okay? Only where preservation of life is seriously at stake. That's when it's okay to lie. But returning to the passage, Rahab was commended not because she told a lie. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31 says this, By faith, the prostitute Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. So she had faith. There were others who perished because they did not believe. She had faith. And how did she demonstrate this faith? When she had received the spies with peace. If you look at Joshua chapter 6, verses 17 and 25 as well, Rahab was commended because she hid the spies that Joshua sent. Her hiding of the spies then is interpreted as an act of peace, not of lying, an act of hospitality, of faith, not of lying. It's as if she was recommended because she had hidden God's word. She had hidden God's promises in her heart. There's someone else in the Bible who is said to have hidden or treasured God's word in her heart. And that's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she heard all these words of prophecy, it's said that she kept, she hid or treasured all these things in her heart. The Greek word for kept means to keep safe uh, from damage or loss, to preserve or to keep under guard, or by extension, be careful about retaining information. In other words, don't tell everybody. Keep it a secret, right? To keep in mind, to treasure. 
in the same way, family, we must keep God's word and promises in our hearts. We must learn to hide them deep in us so that we might not sin against God. Dr. Chang Ming Shun asked us to memorize Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 last week. And he said that I will test you. So here I am today, fully obedient to him. Where is he? He's seated somewhere in this, uh, in this hall. Uh, but he's not going to identify himself to me. But never mind. So being fully obedient to him, I'm going to test you. Did you memorize Joshua chapter 1, verse 9? Let's try. One, two, three. <laughs> okay, give you a chance. One week of grace. Huh? Next week, Pastor Lee, maybe he will test you, okay? Now let's look at the verse. Let's read it out together. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Friends, I truly believe this is the word in season for many of us. So let's learn to treasure, keep this word with us. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Right now, I want to focus on an interesting aspect of Rahab's faith that is seldom preached about. As I was meditating on these two passages, chapters 2 and 6, I was thinking to myself, what might Rahab have thought when the walls of Jericho started shaking? When the earthquake was happening, what might she be thinking about? Would she have doubted God's promises to save her and her family? You know, she did, she did the right thing. You know, she put the scarlet cord, she tied it around her window. She made an agreement with the, with the two men, the spies. But did she expect that God would tell the Israelites to march around the city for seven days? Did she expect that God would bring down the city walls through an earthquake? What would, be, what would she be thinking about those seven days? I think it must have been a nerve-wracking seven days and certainly a most nerve-wracking seven day <laughs> when things started shaking. You see, sometimes when the world around us starts shaking and trembling, we are tempted to doubt God's promises. Perhaps you receive a word from the Lord. Maybe a word of healing that God wants to heal you. Maybe a word of breakthrough that you will overcome. Maybe a word of encouragement, don't give up. But instead of circumstances improving, things seem to have gotten worse. Instead of recovering, the sickness worsens. Instead of experiencing victories, we have more storms in our lives. Instead of a smooth path, we get more obstacles thrown in, more discouragements crash in. And in times like this, it's very easy to doubt God's promises. It's very easy to dismiss what God has said in the past. What if Rahab had thought like that? Oh no, no, the walls are crumbling and shaking. Let's run out of the house. What if she had thought like that? What if her family members thought the same way? Rahab, what are you doing? Why are you asking us to stay inside here? The walls are shaking. Let's run out of here. What if they had run out of the house? They will be killed. Slaughtered because that's the promise, the agreement that they made between the two parties, right? So let's try to put ourselves again in Rahab's shoes. You know that God will keep His promises in the future, that God will give them the land. You know that God has kept His promises in the past. Now imagine, again, put yourselves in Rahab's shoes. The walls are shaking around you. You see the Israelites' army down there. Would you have doubts in your hearts, in your minds? 
I believe Rahab would have thought likewise, but Rahab decided to exercise an unshakable faith instead. She chose not to look at the present circumstances. No matter how earth-shaking the present circumstances may be, Rahab chose to anchor her faith in God, in God's unshakable character. If you ask me, I believe Rahab's house was spared the earthquake because of her faith. Because of her faith, she saved herself and her entire family. And faith, really, if you look at the Bible, is the most precious commodity. Faith is when we choose to live by what God has promised rather than living by what we see in our present circumstances. That's an unshakable faith. In a conversation with the spies, uh, she said this to them, Swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign. Do you know the word kindness here is translated from the Hebrew word chesed? And chesed is the Hebrew word used to describe God's very nature, very character, unchanging character. He has several nuances of meaning. Traditionally, it is translated as loving kindness, sometimes translated as graciousness because God is gracious and merciful to us. But at its root, chesed means loyalty. And so Rahab is really saying to the two men, just as God is loyal to you, he will give you the land, and I am loyal to you, I have hidden you here on my roof, be loyal to me, just as God is, and spare my household from destruction. Rahab's faith is based upon the unchanging, unshakable character of God, who is loyal and faithful always. Do you know because of Rahab's faith, she became uh, incorporated into Jesus' ancestry? Matthew chapter 1 verses 5 to 6 tell us that Rahab became the mother of Boaz. Does the name sound familiar? Boaz is the same guy who married Ruth. Boaz became the father of Obed, who became the father of Jesse, and Jesse became the father of of King David. Wow. (laughs) Maybe that explains a little of where David got his courage from, from his great-great-grandmother, a courageous woman. It's in his genes. (laughs) And because of her faith, she's no longer remembered so much as a prostitute, but a woman of unshakable faith. And like Rahab, actually God has given to us a very sure and clear sign. Just as Rahab and her household is saved by a scarlet cord, so too Christ has saved us through his blood, which flows from his side like a scarlet cord. So that all of us who choose to believe in him shall never perish, but have life, everlasting life, abundant. Now friends, just in case there are some of you here in our midst who have yet to place such saving faith in Christ Jesus, trusting in His blood to cover you and to save you from sin, save you from destruction, to save you from death, I want to give you an opportunity just to respond to Him today. Believe in Him, Scripture says. Believe in God, just as Rahab did, and you and your household shall be saved. That's the promise of God. So all over this place, even back there in the century, we keep our eyes open. If that's you, you want to receive Christ for the very first time in your life, you say, God, I've been coming to church, but I never believed in you to save me. But this morning, I want to believe that you will save me and my household. If that's you, can I just invite you to raise your hands? 
so that I can pray with you. Give me the privilege and honor to just pray with you. This hall, anyone? Yes, I see your hand. Anyone else? Okay, so for the oh yes, I see your hand. So for the sake of our uh, sisters who have raised their hands, can everyone just close your eyes? Those of you in the sanctuary as well, Amstutz Hall, uh, Hall 4. Let's close our eyes and let's pray this prayer after me to encourage our sisters, uh, our brothers who have received the Lord for the first time today. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Forgive me. Save me. Cleanse me. Cleanse me from sin. Save me from my sins. Deliver me from death. Give us eternal life. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to believe your promises that we who believe in you shall be saved and not just us but me and my household shall be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. We rejoice with those of you who have raised your hands. I want to encourage you to follow up uh, on your faith that you have made today. Can you please sign up for the Taste of Alpha program? It's a good uh, foundation to establish your faith in Christ Jesus and start growing in the Lord. Now, for the rest of us who are already professing Christians, but we are facing storms in our lives, and you feel that the world around you is shaking or crumbling instead of improving, I want to encourage us really to be strong and courageous, learn from Rahab to have this unshakable faith, Believe in God, trust in His, His promises as found in the Word of God. Because God's nature is chesed, loyal. His promises will always be true. So let us cling on to that word. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Hold on to that word. Don't look at the present circumstances alone. Trust in God's unfailing word. I want to close with this final story. Tony Campolo tells the story of a man who is an alcoholic. And every Sunday, his mother goes to church to pray earnestly for her son, that God somehow might bring this son back to her, that this sickness, this alcoholic problem might be solved. One night, this man and his drinking buddy were out drinking as usual, 3 o'clock in the morning. They were hanging out at bars, getting very drunk. It was a rainy night, and it was so cold that the rain was turning into ice as they hit the freezing pavement. And so the men, you know, stumbling their way, slipping and sliding their way back uh, along the streets, they eventually came to this steep hill that led down to the man's home. Both the street and the pavement were covered, you know, with a thick coat of ice. As you can imagine, it's very hard to walk, right? And the men were trying to figure out how they could get down that very steep hill. And as we were thinking about that, the drinking buddy turned to the man and exclaimed, Well, I'm sure your mother won't be climbing up the hill this morning with this snow, this ice, sorry. Today is going to be one of those rare days that she doesn't go to church to pray for you. The man laughed, humored by the suggestion, I think you got that right. But then, just as they said it, they looked down the hill, the steep hill, and to their stark amazement, they saw the man's mother. 
crawling up the ice-covered sidewalk on her hands and on her knees. Wow, that's really an inspiring picture of an unshakable faith. May we all learn from Rahab and this mother to have the unshakable faith in God. Not looking at our present circumstances, but to God who is faithful and loyal. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that your promises are always true. And amen in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we come before you trusting not in our own righteousness, but trusting by faith that God, you are faithful. So Lord, send us courage and strength that we may always hold on to your precious word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.